In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, amen. Glory be to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and ever and unto the ages of all ages, amen. In reading today's gospel, you find that um, there's some disagreement between Jesus and the Pharisees uh, or the, the, the religious leaders at that time. Um, and the, their disagreement is not based on whether spiritual powers exist or not. And they're not on whether, or, or they don't disagree on whether um, the demons that had possessed these people were cast out or not. But really their, their issue is by which power has these demons been cast out. So they say to Jesus, you cast out demons by the ruler of the demons. Um, and Jesus says to them that what they're saying doesn't make sense. And he, he says to them, if I cast out demons by the ruler of the demons, then the kingdom of, of, of darkness will fall apart. If the kingdom of darkness is now fighting itself, it will fall apart, and he gives them a parable to convince them. And he says to them, but if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then surely, surely the kingdom of God has come upon you. Surely the kingdom of heaven has come near to you. That was in Jesus' time. Now in our time, there is somewhat of a dispute about whether spiritual powers exist or not, right? And... Not that, like, the all-time authority of, like, everything that we know and believe is pop culture, but to quote Kevin Spacey in um, Usual Suspects, the greatest trick the devil ever played on the world was to convince the world that he doesn't exist, right? And that's, um, and that's really where I see it today. I can tell you the truth. I, I could not have preached this sermon two years ago. In fact, the first couple of baptisms I prayed, I confess to you, this is recorded, so hopefully this won't get me in trouble, but the first couple of baptisms I prayed, when we pray a baptism and we sanctify the water, and then when we pray for, on the person and we sanctify the person to prepare them for baptism, we pray and we say, Lord, let no spirit of, of darkness, no spirit of the noonday, no spirit of the night, no spirit of the this, no spirit of the that, no spirit of the air, no spirit of the earth, descend into the water with him that is to be baptized or her who is to be baptized. And I remember thinking to myself, like, that's a little archaic, you know? Some of these things need to be updated. So I mentioned that to my spiritual father, and he kind of like smirked, and he said, hmm, okay, right? And his disagreement was obvious, but he didn't correct me, knowing probably that being in this business for long enough, the spiritual realities will correct me well enough on their own. And that's what I've realized. A while ago, I was reading this beautiful book on the Jesus Prayer. And in it, the author explains to us that there are two different kinds of demonic possession, one of which is sensible, he calls it sensible, and the other is moral. The one which is sensible is the one that you imagine from the Jesus movies, where a demon inhabits, like indwells the body of a person to torment their soul and to torment 
uh, and to torment their body, right? And oftentimes they lash out and they hurt themselves and all kinds of stuff like that. But th there is another kind of demonic possession. When you read in John 13, uh, when, G when Judas goes to betray Jesus, right? It says, and Satan entered him, John 13, 27. He didn't enter him the same way that he entered those people who were possessed by demons. No, what did he do? He fed him a thought. He fed him an idea. He fed him, you know, something which united Judas's mind, Judas's will, and Judas's actions with that of Satan. And by doing that, the gospel describes it as, and Satan entered into him, right? And so it's... It's almost like, it's almost like if the demons find it easier to reprogram my mind and get me to do their will without having to like, you know, take over my body by force to do their will, then why don't they do that? If they can just whisper lies into my ears and convince me, and then I wholeheartedly and happily and joyfully merrily go along my way doing their will, all the better. Isn't that easy? Much easier for them. And we find now that there is a kind of demonic possession which is much more insidious, which is much more where demons and the, the demonic thought has, has, has come and started to infiltrate into our minds and our hearts and our will. The word Satan is it's actually a word it, which has been converted into a proper name. It means opposer. Like basically the, the, like the head of the opposition in parliament, right, is the opposer, right? And you know, the, the Hebrew word for that or the Aramaic word or I don't know what ancient language it's in is Satan. Right? And that's what it means. It means to be in opposition to God. I'm not saying that the opposition is Satan or not. I don't care about politics. But, right? That's, that's, that's what it means. It means that God rules. When we say Pantokrator in like many of our prayers, and it's like this word that's hard for us to like grasp because it's like in an ancient language. You know, there's all these words that are so meaningful and they carry so much meaning that when you translate them, they lose the meaning, right? So we oftentimes translate the word Pantokrator to Almighty. You know, it's kind of like the word nostalgia. How do you, tr how do you translate that from, from its original language to, to like to common English, right? So we just say nostalgia, right? Nostalgic and so on, right? Because we don't have a good translation for it. Pantokrator is like that. What does Pantokrator mean? Pan means like all, like all-encompassing everything. And then Krator comes from the same root, Greek root word as democracy, right? So like demo people, krasi rule, ruler. Right? So the Pantocrator is the one who rules all. He's the one who is the all-sovereign. Right? But it has a spirit, the word also has a spirit in it of, of being the master of all of creation and the master of all things, seen and unseen. And that's kind of the feeling that the word Pantocrator means. So the opposition to Pantocrator, that's Satan. That's demonic power. And the reason I'm going to all this trouble to help us kind of like define these things and understand these things is this, is because at the end of the day, when we look at Jesus casting out demons, when we look at things, at the power of God in our lives, right? Do we look at the act, like when we see 
the thing. Do we say this is demonic or do we say this is from God? The people who saw Jesus casting out demons couldn't tell that this was the hand of God. They said, this is by Beelzebub, the ruler of the demons. And they were confused. So God wishes to clarify for you and for me. He wishes to clarify for you and for me um, uh, what's demonic and what isn't. And the reason, the reason I'm so passionate to speak with you about this, and I speak with a lot of people about this in spiritual uh, guidance and so on, one-on-one, is this. Is because if something is purely demonic, like a lot of the times the, the, the sins I fall into or the, or, or the struggles that I have, have uh, like they're partly demonic, they're partly some, some you know, uh, like a fault in my character or, 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 or some, some wound I've sustained through life, through my relationships with others or whatever. I may have a physical issue which kind of leads me uh, towards, towards that and so on. But when it's purely demonic, simply getting down on our knees and praying is enough to dispel the demons. Like, this is low-hanging fruit. So, when I say something is demonic, when I identify something as demonic, that gets me excited. Because I don't need to go for counseling, I don't need to get on a treadmill, I don't need to do all of those things which require so much more effort. I need to just get down on my knees and pray and ask God to save me. And we're going to talk a lot more about that. So, if we can identify the influences around us that are not from God, the influences around us that are, that are demonic, and we can pray and go and ask Jesus to save us, He will. Specifically, specifically, the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus is so powerful. St. John Chrysostom writes about, about re- saying the name of Jesus. He says, The remembrance of the name of Jesus rouses the enemy to battle. For a soul that forces itself to pray the prayer of Jesus can find anything by this prayer, both good and evil. For it can see evil in the recesses of its own heart and afterwards good. This prayer can stir the snake to action and this prayer can lay it low. This prayer can expose the sin that is living in us and this prayer can eradicate it. This prayer can stir up in the heart all the power of the enemy and this power can conquer it and gradually root it out. The prayer of the name of Jesus Christ, as it descends into the depths of the heart, will subdue the snake which controls its ranges, will save and quicken and revive the soul. Continue constantly in the name of the Lord Jesus that the prayer may swallow the Lord and the Lord the heart and that these two may be one. However, this is not accomplished in a single day or two days, but requires many years and much time. Much time and labor are needed in order to expel the enemy and instate Christ. Notice St. John Chrysostom here is not speaking to the heathen and pagans. He's speaking to, he's speaking to Christians. He's speaking to people who, like you, are sitting in a church pew um, when Christianity had become the religion of the empire. There's a beautiful verse, there's a beautiful verse which I cling to when I pray the name of Jesus, and that is Proverbs 18.10, for the name of the Lord is a strong tower and all who run to it are safe. Indeed, indeed, the name of the Lord is a strong tower and all who run to it indeed are safe. All that is required, all that is required when I feel that I'm getting a proposition that is not from God, 
all I need to do is do the sign of the cross and clasp my hands together asking Jesus to save me. Lord Jesus Christ, save me. Lord Jesus Christ, help me. Lord Jesus Christ, rescue me, rescue me from this. Another beautiful prayer um, which uh, I learned from a very wise and holy man told me to pray in the name of Jesus, do the sign of the cross, say in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and then appeal to his cross and appeal to the blood which he shed for us and pray and say, Lord Jesus Christ, by the authority of your divinity, by the blood which you shed on the cross for me on my behalf, you have no power turning now to the demonic thought or to the demonic influence, whatever it may be. You have no power over my mind, my heart, my thoughts, my emotions. Whatever it is that you feel is under attack. And then commit yourself wholeheartedly to the Lord. But you, Lord Jesus Christ, have complete authority over my mind, my heart, my thoughts, my emotions, and so on. Believe me, believe me that when Jesus said to his disciples, I give you authority over serpents and scorpions and every power of the enemy, he wasn't joking. He wasn't joking. I see this in spiritual guidance and confession all the time. Someone will come and ask me a question and the thought will clearly be demonic. I'm sure I have all of my own fair share, but I'm not judging anybody, right? And I'll do the sign of the cross and just gently pray for the person. And the thought will leave them on the spot. The, 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 the conversation will change. It's almost as if I said, let's talk about something else, right? But I didn't. All I did was do the sign of the cross and pray in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and pray the Jesus prayer. Pray the prayer I just, or I just taught you and I'll, and I'll give you one other prayer before we go. I just want to share with you a couple of, of, of things from the Psalms talking about how powerful the name of the Lord is. In Psalm 18, it says, The Lord is my rock and my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength, in Him I will trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. This is, look, there's something that's really important here. In our relationship with God, okay, the most important thing is our disposition. Like I'm going to be doing a retreat for the students and the, and the new grads in a couple of weeks or three weeks or something about how to hear the voice of God. It boils down to this. It's 90% or more disposition, attitude, how you go about it, how you are with God and 10% technique. There is technique. I'm teaching you technique now, right? But the attitude, which is the overwhelming majority of it, okay, is to go to God pleading, to go to God needing, to go to God recognizing, recognizing how fragile I am and how much I'm being assaulted by cruel powers. I have seen demons encourage people to do the most inhumane and cruel things. Things you couldn't even imagine. I was just um, talking with my wife the other day about bullying and about um, this, uh, I saw this awesome Burger King commercial where uh, about like, like about bullying, like it was an anti-bullying commercial, right? Where, uh, you know, these kids are getting bullied in, in, a, in a Burger King. It wasn't staged. And every, and every time one of the pe people in the restaurant go and order a burger, the guy beats it up, right? And then when they look, come back and they say, what's wrong with my burger? He says, did you order it bullied or unbullied, right? So I was talking to my wife about this and about why, right? And then, and of course, people get upset with that. And wait, just give me my burger and whatever. And he says, how come you stand up for a burger, but you don't stand up for a high school kid who's getting bullied, right? And, and we don't always stand up for people. And this isn't to talk about bullying. But I was talking with my wife about that. Why don't we? Why do we see 
people doing horrible things, you know. The, 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 a few weeks ago, a priest in Egypt was, was like brutally beaten up and stabbed to death in the streets, and there's videos of it. So that means there were people standing around idle enough to take videos, right? Why were they taking videos? Why weren't they jumping in and saying, this is, this is insane, what are you doing, right? Stabbing somebody through and through, like in the street, publicly, right? The, the reason is this. I think. I don't think people out there are bad. I don't think the bystanders out there that don't stand up are bad people. I don't think they're necessarily cowards. I think we see things being done in front of us that are so ridiculous, that are so far off the spectrum of normal, we're speechless. We don't know what to say. What do you, what, what, what do you say? How do you react to that? You know, in my previous life in medicine, when extreme things happen, like cardiac arrest or severe trauma or whatever, we have proto protocolized ways of behavior because it is something which could cause you to just stop and be stunned. And in that moment, you don't need to be stunned. You need to be doing CPR. You need to be calling 911. You need to be doing, right? So there's a protocolized behavior, right? The demons are causing people to do things that are so far off the spectrum of normal Normal people in society don't even know what to say. They don't know what to do. They don't know. I'm telling you, the demons are crazy. They're mad. They're nuts. Right? And this isn't... I know you might be looking at me and saying, I'm the one who's crazy and I'm the one who's, who, who's nuts. Right? But the reality is this. This was predicted. And, uh, you know, uh, one of uh, the deacons, Mark, says this to me, and I, and I say it to you all the time. You know, Mark tells me, St. Anthony predicted this. He told us, he told us that one day the whole world will go mad. And it will turn to us and say, how come you don't run with us in our madness, right? And, and it will turn on us and attack us and kill us. I'm telling you, the madness of the demons is very real. But the beauty of all of this, the comfort of all of this, is that if you can identify what influences in life are not from God, and you can turn to God with any short and simple prayer pleading to Him for mercy. Look, it's not a spell. It's not magic. We're not trying. Magic is to harness a power out there and make it do what we want it to do, right? Christianity is the opposite. It's to submit ourselves to a power out there so He may do with us whatever He wishes to do. It's not a spell. It's not a spell like if you say the words wrong, it won't work. It's, it's a disposition of prayer and reliance on God and begging Him to rescue us. In light of that, there's a beautiful prayer by one of the saints of the church whose name is Saint Justina. It's so beautiful and so effective. One of my friends had recommended it to me, so I had printed it on a little card a long time ago and started and would read it every time temptation would come my way. And... Then I liked it so much, I was talking about this with my sister. She uh, is very talented in desktop publishing and all of that. All of this is long before marriage and priesthood when we had tons of time as, as surgical residents, of course. So she, um, she uh, did this, uh, made, made this little pamphlet for me and, and print and this card. Um, and uh, what I did is I reprinted it for all of you. Uh, um, and th this is a prayer specifically against lust. On the back here, you'll find her, her, uh, her story from the Cynicarium. And inside here, you'll find how this prayer fits in. 
Um, and it, it is said that this is the prayer that she prayed when the demons would assault her with thoughts of lust. So I'll ask the demon, uh, the the uh, the deacons, not the demons, <laughs> the deacons, to hand these out to all the deacons. Carry me and carry the church. God bless them. I'd fall apart. I fall apart in their absence. I'll ask uh, the deacons to hand these out. Um, and um, it's conveniently printed on a little pocket card. And you may say, like, okay, Father John, maybe like we live in a highly sexualized age and other people are struggling with lust, but that's not what I'm really struggling with right now. Um, lust can be anything. Lust is to desire something outside of the will of God for me now. You may be looking for just the dust to settle in your life, right? And, you know, it's just not God's time. God wants things up in the air for you for whatever reason. It may be that you, um, you know, want some money or a better position or someone to share your life with or whatever. Desiring anything outside of the will of God for me right now in God's will for me of this moment is um, is 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 lust, and I have seen this prayer work in my own life so effectively that uh, that's why we went to the trouble of printing this. God bless you and give you great victory in your own struggles, in your own struggles against the, against the powers of this age, knowing fully and truly that our God is a God of victory, and it is His joy, it is His pleasure, it is His his addiction to see you victorious and to give you victory today and every day and always. Glory be to God forever and ever, man. I have sinned. Forgive me. My fathers and mothers, brothers and sisters, please pray for me.